Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. It is Tuesday, January 16th, 2018. This is your 8 a.m. Eastern Time, first daily dose of happy for the day. And, uh, of course, we do twice a day, Monday through Friday. And, and so uh, I get lots of happy because I am involved in all the podcasts, and I become a very happy person as a result. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we have an interesting topic today because we're going to be talking about something that doesn't get a lot of attention in LOA circles, but it probably should get more than it does, and that is the topic of asking for help because that's not always the easiest thing to do. And uh, like uh, we were talking about before the show, Cindy, I mean, it's something that can just be really a, a major stumbling block until you get it going. But before we get into that, I want to get into a couple wins because we've had some good stuff going on lately. Um, one thing that I want to tell people about is the project to put out the book we've been talking about has been really growing. Um, we're now up to 31 authors. Um, I'm sorry, 32 authors now. And we're, we're definitely going to hit 50, no doubt about that. We're still targeting trying to get the book published by sometime in February and I've seen some of the initial submissions from the authors, and let me tell you, Cindy, the stories are just excellent. I mean, this is going oh, to be a good book. amazing. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, it's really encouraging. Um, in fact, I started sharing the stories with some of the other co-authors, for the ones who are needing a little inspiration, and I was getting feedback like, oh, wow, thanks for sharing this. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're off to a really good start. It's just great. It- it's inspiring to hear someone's win and someone's success. It know? is. It's one thing to read about, you know, theory and method and here's a, a tip for you. But when someone tells you, oh, when I used that, look what happened, and they tell you their own personal story of their own success with Law of Attraction, it's it, it's really inspiring. Um, it's uplifting. It's a vibe lifter is what I call that, right? It, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So and, I know you're having fun listening to all these stories and yeah. talking to people and <laughs> and getting happier and happier That's and right. happier. In Yay. fact, um, one of the story, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the stories that have already been submitted comes from our own, our own Wendy Dillard, who does the afternoon podcast with me, and her story is like a roller coaster ride. It's like, okay, here we're building up to it, and oh my god, it fell off the cliff. Oh, well, we're just going to hold the faith, and we're going to keep going. Oh, it fell off the cliff. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. That's exciting. <laughs> so it's good stuff. How about you? Any good stuff going on? Well, I'm feeling better, and that's a big win. That's because, boy, I tell you, you know, entering into the new year, and I always tell myself, you know, it's just a, a calendar delineation, but there's still always that feeling of, okay, it's a new year, it's a fresh start. And um, coming into the new year with a bad head cold wasn't the funnest way to do it. So no. um, I'm feeling better, and that's wonderful. And then this weekend I had such a fabulous experience I have a friend that um, I met online in an online group, I don't know, I want to say maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. and we've talked and we've been in groups together and we've video conferenced uh, a few times, but we never let, uh, met in person. And she was having um, a big birthday this past weekend, and she decided she was going to come to New Orleans um, to celebrate it, and that's, you know, I'm about... 90 miles from New Orleans, so I drove in to meet her, and it was the, our first meeting that we'd ever met each other wow. in person. yeah, And it was great. so funny because leading up to it, I kept uh, I kept saying, oh, it's going to be so good to see Chris again. 
but I had never seen her in the first place. It was just a video <laughs> conference and Facebook and, and chatting and email. And so um, it was really, really great. Of course, we felt like we've known each other forever. So uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so for all of the things we hear that can be not so great about social media, there is the fantastic side of connection that, you know, connects us with people we may not ever have met or or been connected to. So it was a, a lot of fun, and um, I hope I hope to do it again. You have quite a few people I know from online, and I think it would be great to meet them all in person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've made so many new friends online, particularly with the podcast. And, and sure, there's the, the, the negative side of social media, but, hey, there's a, there's a negative side of every tool. I don't care what the tool is. I mean, you can find a negative side to it, but the positive side is great. I mean, I've met some right? really high-quality people. Just by you know being online and t- talking about podcasts and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I could I don't know if I would have had any other opportunity to meet so many high quality people. So I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that was my big uh, my big win to to feel yeah. better to meet a friend that I hadn't met in person and. Uh, and I'm loving that. And I'm Two excited really about the ones. book. And yeah. there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. There is, yeah. I mean, it, it, here in New England, it's cold. We're about to get six inches of snow. And there are people who are beginning <laughs> to say, oh, no, I don't want any more snow. But, hey, I don't care. We're just kind of socked in for the day. We're going to do podcasts. We're going to continue reaching out to new co-authors. And it's going to be a great day. That's the way I look at it. Plus, my wife loves it. She's a cross-country skier. So she's saying, yeah, come on, snow. Let's go, snow. <laughs> I was going to mention that. I was thinking about you, that you had mentioned <laughs> Uh, last week that your wife was a cross-country skier, and I was thinking, well, Paul's wife must be digging this. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know. She was yeah, depressed because we, we, we had a whole bunch of snow on the ground, and it all melted. She says, oh, I didn't get it out there in time. <laughs> but she yeah, gets a second chance. <laughs> so the topic of the day, though, that one, we, we were kind of talking about it beforehand. It's really hard sometimes for people to ask for help. And more importantly, it's really hard to to get into a place where you can take advantage of the law of attraction to your benefit. It's hard to solve just basic everyday mundane reality-based problems if you don't ask for help. And yet people, why why is it that people have so much trouble asking for help? I know I did, and I I can't even tell you why. I just know that I had like these hidden blocks and I didn't even know why they were there. Well, I can tell you what, I had a really hard time asking for help. Um, And... I think it was with me because I didn't want to be someone who looked like they needed help. I mean, I wanted to be self-sufficient. I wanted to be able to to get the job done, whatever it was. Mm. Um, I didn't want to, you know, project an image of somebody that was needing help. I mean, that was probably the main thing with me. Um, And when I, it was actually the story that comes to mind for me when you talk about asking for help and, and actually, it's a really big thing, and I don't think it always has to be. Like, if we can get into the into the habit of being willing to ask for help for smaller things, um, for me, it was a big thing. It was when I was going through my divorce, and and I was just really trying to weather the whole awful thing by myself. And finally, I just remember one day having the thought, it's like, you need to reach out mm. to some people. You need to reach out to some friends. You need to reach out to some family or or a therapist, or somebody, and just say, I need some support here. Mm. Um, and I did, and it was the best thing I ever did. It's like, mm-hmm. why didn't I do that before? And <laughs> the whole thing taught me a big lesson about just being willing to say, 
ooh, I really need some help. But I think it's sort of like it goes hand in hand with the what I call, you know, flexing your receiving muscles. Mm. Yeah. Right? If we're going to ask for help, it's like we were talking about the, the, the Abraham Hicks book title, right? Is it ask, ask and it is given? Or, right. But the whole idea of asking and receiving, yep. there's the asking, which is tough enough for some people. Yeah. And then yeah. there's being willing to receive it. And, yeah. you know, that one simple explanation of, Taking someone, going to lunch with a friend and saying, you know, let me pick up the tab. Oh, no, 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 I got it, I got it. (laughs) People will fight over the tickets. No, let me get it. No, no, I have it. I'm good. And it's like I I just had to learn how to say thank you. Mm. Yes. You know, when I'm I'm out with someone and and the, the waiter comes and says, is separate checks? And the person says, no, I've got that. Instead of, oh, no, 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 separate check. Oh, no, I've got I just say, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sometimes That's... that feels odd when you're used to <laughs> fighting oh, over yeah. the ticket, right? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's But it's thing. important to be able to, I, I think that that's maybe the main stumbling thing, especially with law of attraction, because for some reason people get an idea about law of attraction because we, we learn about happy, right? Mm-hmm. We learn about being happy, we learn about feeling good and having our energy level up, our, our vibration high, so we can attract good things. And suddenly we go, "Ooh, we better start suppressing all of the not feeling good, all of the emotions at the bottom of the emotional scale, all of that." Yeah, I better shove that all down. And that's not the right plan. Not really, no. That that doesn't no. work very well at all, actually. But we all seem to go there. I'm not quite sure why we keep going to a place that doesn't work, but we all do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and it's that place where instead of instead of ignoring mm-hmm. the pain or the frustration or the emotion or whatever it is that's not feeling good, like even physical pain in our body. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of my coaching instructors told me that she read an article about, and and it was it did say that mostly this is mostly men and not women um, in this particular instance, but it was about feeling like a toothache. And the article is saying that men will ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, until they cannot ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why that was a, a men-women thing. I'm sure there are plenty of women that will ignore a toothache as well. Yeah, I'm not um, really sure but, why either. <laughs> but in other words, when, when our body speaks to us through a little pain that's small, um, and we, go, we push it aside, and sometimes we may push aside the idea that, oh, this would be a lot easier if I had help with anything, with any given thing we want help with. And instead, we just keep struggling through and trying to do it ourselves, fix it ourselves, work it ourselves, until until we get to the place where we have to ask for help. Mm. I, it's I like so much easier if we just take care of it when it's something small. <laughs> well, that's what I was liking. I like when you said that earlier about um, asking for help on small things, because that's actually a good way to practice and get yourself into the asking for help mentality, so to speak. Um, and, and kind of a, in an early way, breaking down some of the barriers that we set up for ourselves. Because if you can ask for help on little things, then when a big thing happens, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. And to also, ask for help. I think when you're asking for help um, and you're offering also to help, that's the flip side, right? Yep. It's like you're, you're asking for help when you need it. You're being helpful when you see an opportunity. Um, doing those things connects us to other people. We stay isolated when we're like, I got this myself. I can take care of it myself, right? But when we start reaching out to help others and allowing others 
to help us. That's a two-sided thing. Make sure that it stays a little balanced there. Then we build this connection. And when we're connected to a lot of people, then when the big things come our way, we have we also have a network. We also have a community. Yes. Yeah, that, that's a big point that Sean Aker makes when uh, he talks about his uh, positive psychology studies that he likes to refer to, that one of the biggest things you can use as a predictor of whether or not someone is going to be successful is how big their social network is and how readily and frequently they access it. The ones who readily and frequently access their social network are the ones who are most likely to succeed because when things go wrong, they're going to go ask for help. And they have a lot of people they can ask the help from. And so they get past the, the little barriers, the, the little blocks in life a whole lot faster than somebody who's trying to do it all by themselves. So it, it actually is a social predictor. If you are, um, if you want to find out whether or not somebody is likely to succeed in life, find out how big their social circle is and that will give you a great indicator. That's really interesting. That whole idea of building community. And I, I think that there's, Another thing, too, and that is that we're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea that this podcast is based around getting happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a daily dose of happy. That's going to be a lot easier when we have a community, when we have a, a social network. And I have to tell you, what I did when I, I started building this podcast and bringing more people in was a creative way of asking for help. Because I knew from reading Abraham Hicks that it was important to get myself into a happy state of mind and to be there as much of the, of the time as I could be. And I also knew when I first started out, I was nowhere near there, <laughs> not even close. And I am like, I, I think there was a certain thing about males asking for help. We're, we're certainly trained not to. We're certainly trained to be, you know, the, the protectors and the providers and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, asking for help. Oh, no, 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 no. You're supposed to just go do it because you're a man. Well, not quite true. That's not really the way actual life works, but that's what we're trained to do. Um, <laughs> right. So I had to have a way that would a- allow me to ask for help without overtly, you know, going around, well, can I have your help, please? May I have some help? May I, have... I just wasn't in the place to be able to do that yet. With my wife, my wife was helping me by encouraging me to do what we talked about earlier, ask for help on little things. So over time, I was learning to do that. But I needed something faster. I needed help a little bit more quickly. So I created the podcast knowing, well, if I can do something that's fun, and I know I enjoy doing the podcast, well, then that's a good way to get myself into a happy zone. So I just wanted to work to bring as many people in as I could to talk to on the podcast so I could feel happy. And it was a way of getting help. And, and oh, and I also came up with the brilliant idea, why not talk to an LOA coach? Because they're all about helping people get, get through problems. So, you know, I started bringing in <laughs> LOA coaches. Why not? You know, <laughs> I'm not stupid. You know? <laughs> no, it's so true. And, you know, that's, it's funny when people, when people, I was going to say when people hire me, but occasionally people just reach out to me um, and with an email or something, or they join um, my private group on Facebook, or they come into my sphere in some way. But I always want to congratulate them for reaching out. Mm. Yes. You know, when someone sends me an email and says, I'm, I'm looking for a coach because you know, maybe they're having a problem or maybe they're not having a problem. Maybe they just want to create something um, and they want support. Right. But it's always like, congratulations, like for reaching out, for taking this step, because the first step, that's, you know, that's where it starts. Whatever it is, you've got to take a step somewhere. And so asking for help or support, 
Um, and I love the idea of in small ways. Yeah. For the little yeah. things. Instead of just carrying a, a load while it gets heavier and heavier until you finally have to ask for help or, you know, or you're going to break. Uh, that's not optimum. No, it, it makes it easier, too, when you really do need the big help if you've been practicing with the smaller helps. Because now you've got a little bit of a habit established. You've had some experience with it, and you've gotten some positive out, outcomes out of it. So you start to feel like, well, okay, asking for help is not such a terrible thing after all. Maybe it's actually got some good stuff. Maybe it's worth trying. So that when you're in that spot where you really need the help, then it becomes a little bit easier to say, okay, yeah, I, I, I did okay when I asked for help. I'll, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try it here too. It's just, just that little bit extra, you know? You often read the encouragement from um, like business uh, mentors or business coaches, uh, coaches that are encouraging people to learn how to delegate, mm. right, when they're just taking on too much themselves. Oh, yeah. And I think it's all in the same vein. It, it all comes down to being willing. Sometimes to ask for help, you have to be willing to let go of something and, and not have so much control over it. Right. True. Sometimes it could you do this for me instead of me doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know growing up and having uh, teenagers at the point that they were teenagers or that they were in college, you know, they actually, and even when they were younger, they actually could do a lot of things for me if I would be willing to let them, right? Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> so sometimes I think with parents, um, it's it's like, it's just easier to do it myself, right? Because <laughs> they know that if they ask um, a child or a teenager or or an older person, but anybody, you know, to say, hey, could you run this errand for me? Um, then it might be like, oh, but I'm not in control of how it gets done. And so I think sometimes asking for help, there's that element of being able to, willing to let go of a little of the control part of it. <laughs> oh, certainly. I mean... I- I think a big part is that when we're, well, the big part is where somebody is in a really bad place. Maybe they're dealing with an addiction, um, you know, they lost their home, they lost their job. I mean, all kinds of things can happen, but they're in a really, really bad place. And the ironic part about it is even when you're in a bad place like that, you really can't be helped until you ask for it. I mean, we like to think that we can help people even when they haven't asked for it. I mean, people give to charities to try to do that kind of thing. They, you know, they vote for government programs. They, they, they'll do all kinds of stuff to try to help people who haven't asked for help. But the simple fact is, until someone is ready to receive the help, which is signaled by having asked for it, it's not going to really do a whole lot for them. I mean, you might get them by for a day, but that's about it. It's not like you're going to actually help them climb out of it. I've definitely heard that, you know, you were talking about really big things, and you mentioned, like, addictions. Um, I've definitely heard story after story, and we probably all have because we've heard stories of like famous people that maybe the the court orders them to go to rehab, right, right, um, and they go and then they get out and then they're back, you know, they're back addicted to whatever the problem was. Um, and I heard somebody say this one time. They said, you know, they can send you to rehab over and over and over, but until you decide you want to go to rehab, until you decide right. you want help, and I think that's part of it, right? It's it's always up to you, whether it's a big, scary problem like that or whether it's just some small thing, until you can until you can ask for it or at least receive it. Because occasionally people will offer help, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, can I help you with that? Yep. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I remember one time we were out to breakfast, and a woman was um, walking up to the door, and she was an older woman, um, and my husband likes to open doors for everyone, and he reached to open the door for her, and she flat out rejected. She said, don't open that door for me. I can get the door myself. Mm. And it was like, okay. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> so sometimes if you try to help someone um, and they haven't asked for it, they'll let you know they don't want your help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it's just the asking. The asking is such a big step. Um that it it actually has so much power in it because it's it's a, it's that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the fact, decision to ask. And, and there's also another side to the asking part. Um, it, I'm reminded of a story that a friend of ours told, who, who's been through some pretty tough stuff of his own. But he was telling us about this guy he knows, who he describes as a raging drug addict. Um, and he has seen sometimes outside of the local Walmart, you know, with one of those homeless signs trying to collect donations of various kinds. And, I mean, we've all seen people, you know, asking for help in right. that way. And it raises a kind of a difficult question because you know, especially if they're a raging drug addict, that money they're collecting is not going to go into their bellies. It's going to go into feeding their addiction in some way. They're going to try to collect enough money to go buy a bottle of booze or to you know, get a, a, a drug fix or something. And so now the question is, well, okay, they're asking for help. How do you help them in a way that matches up their request for help? Because their request for help in that case is pretty you know, dysfunctional. So, so how do you handle that? That, that's a, that can be a difficult question. I know one way that people will sometimes do it is, uh, like my wife, she'll go to like the local um, McDonald's or something and get a bunch of $5 gift cards so that it can only be you know, redeemed for food. You can't redeem it for anything else. But mm-hmm. it's still, it's still a, a, a challenge. I mean, how do you handle that? Well, I, I like the idea also of um, – <laughs> I actually had a friend that just said something about this the other day. They said, hey, you know those – roasted chickens that you get at Costco for like five bucks. Mm. They said, try try just buying one and, and handing it out the car window <laughs> to, to someone who's homeless or needing food. Um, they will be absolutely, you know, ecstatically thrilled about it. I haven't tried it yet, but um, there's always that option, yes, of, of actually um, hand, handing them something that you think is going to actually help. Uh, their well-being and not handing them money that you, you know, are fearing that they're going to spend in a way that, but but the other part of it is that it's the, the trust issue. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, if I, if I trust you and you betray me, that's not on me. No, that's so, true. So there's, there's that, right? There's the idea that, okay, I'm going to give um, and, it's not on me how it gets used. Um, I've 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 reached out, but there's also the idea of going with your inner guidance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and this is all part of law of attraction is starting to understand where inspiration is, starting to understand what inspiration sounds like and feels like, and what that voice of inner guidance and higher wisdom sounds like. Mm-hmm. And so, just doing the inner check with your with your higher self, right about how to respond to something. I mean, getting used to doing that and realizing that there are no mistakes. There's just human experience. So 
you know, it, it's it's not a test. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> this is true. not a test. This is just, you know, you do what you do. You help if you can. You see if you feel inspired to um, to give in some way. And then just follow your own inner guidance. That's the best way I know. There's also another piece of it that some people use as a way to criticize those who advocate the law of attraction and, and advocate learning how to deliberately apply it and so forth. Their criticism is, well, there are a whole bunch of innocent people who have had terrible things happen to them. They didn't attract that. And, of course, we know perfectly well they did, but how do you tell them that? You know, How do you, how do you convince somebody of that? And you can't. There's no way you can. They, they're the only ones who could possibly do that. But I find also there's a positive side to that. The positive side is we all attract this. We're, whatever situation we're in, we attracted it, whether we did it deliberately well, or by default, but we still attracted it. Something right, and I and I understand that viewpoint, and I agree with it on the level of saying that. Um, I think it's a phenomenal thing if if I am in a place in my life where I'm really unhappy with uh, what I've created. Let's put it that way, right? If I can <clears throat> if I can understand that I've created my reality, and I'm not liking it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can also tell myself, well, if you have the power to create all this. <laughs> crap <laughs> right all this garbage that you're not enjoying you also have the power to create something better that's right and, and that's encouraging to me and i said that and i also will say that some things we create collectively as a society um i i do believe that it's not always on the individual i don't want to blame someone for a horrible thing that is has happened to them and say this is on you you created it at some point, they may be willing to do that. I, sometimes I ask clients, I say, I want you to just pretend that this is the case. In other words, I want to give them an opportunity to find that power of recognition that if I created this situation or if I allowed it. But, you know, when someone has been in a situation where their loved one has been murdered or they've been raped or something, something horrendous like that, um, children that have been abused, um, I'm not going to put that on them. I'm going to say that sometimes our collective shadow manifests in a way that causes pain and great pain for people. And, you know, it's a, it's a big discussion, um, but there are a lot of ways to deal with that spiritually and emotionally on an individual lesson where we can lift ourselves out of a, a horrible experience and find some kind of treasure that came because of it and then use it in a way where we can make the world better. Um, so that's, you know, kind of my, my take on that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And that's perfectly legitimate. Um, I, I, when I think of the whole situation, I actually don't think of the word blame. I don't think the word blame applies to any of it because blame also suggests that you owe somebody else something. And that just doesn't really work from a spiritual point of view. I mean, you, you can try to say, it's kind of like the person who says, you're selfish. And what they really mean is, you're not meeting my needs, so you're selfish. But I'm not. I'm selfless as I ask for you to meet my needs. And you think about that, you say, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's just irrational. <laughs> but that's yeah, how many people that, talk about like that. You know? The energy of blame is a very, it's a very low level of energy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as soon as we can, you know, the way out of blame is just responsibility. So here's the thing. It's, I'm not to. I'm not to blame for no. 
horrible things that have happened to me. Absolutely But not. I absolutely can take responsibility mm-hmm. for how I react to it and how I respond to it. And that's where the responsibility piece is. It's not to say it's your fault that these things, you know, happen to you. It's to say, no, it wasn't your fault. But you can take responsibility now with what you do with it, mm. with how you respond to it, with how you move forward, with how you ask for help <laughs> so that you can get some healing around it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the asking for help part that we're talking about. Absolutely, it's yeah. A, like you said, if you don't ask for help, there's little chance you're going to actually get it. And that's the responsibility part. That's right. Exactly it's right. It's the taking that responsibility to deal with the situation. So, yeah, I think we we create things individually, and that's what's so great about knowing how the law of attraction works. The law of attraction works for everyone, and it's always working for everyone. I always prefer to, to use the term conscious creation mm. because, because we're all creating. It's just some of us, most of us are doing it unconsciously. Well, for those... But then we learn about the law of attraction and we realize, hey, I can do this deliberately. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot where it better. gets fun. Yeah, it gets a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that's where all the good stuff happens. And, and for those who are listening to the program and and connecting to some of these ideas of of uh, the the power of asking for help and and the the power of accepting responsibility for okay, I'm going to decide what I'm going to deliberately create next and so forth. If you're enjoying that as much as we're t- enjoying talking about it, take a moment and share it with some friends. Um, I mean, if you want to help somebody, the best thing you can do is make the information available. Doesn't mean they're going to do anything on it. They may not choose to do anything at all. That's fine. But if you at least put it out there, and if they want it, they can take it. And if they take it, we love that, and they'll love that because it means we increased our listenership, and we've got one more person who is getting another daily dose of happy every single day that they decide to listen to the podcast. So, you know, put out a message on social media or email or text or whatever to somebody close to you, somebody you care about who you think might be responsive to this thing. Yeah, I think the best, one of the best ways that we can tell people about uh, law of attraction as well is by sharing the stories Mm. in our own life where we've had success. And that's the whole point of, of the book right, right. Uh, and the stories. And that's also, you know, the point of the podcast is yeah. just talking about, talking about ideas, talking about how these things have unfolded in your life in a way that you've seen success. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, it, it's amazing how when, the more that we focus on the good stuff and the more that we focus on understanding how the whole thing works, listening to the teachings of Abraham and other teachers too, it, it's amazing how our perspective starts to expand. I mean, lots, the expansion is apparently the basis of the universe. Like Abraham keeps telling us that over and over again, but certainly our own perspective expands the more that we focus on this thing. Like, for instance, I'm thinking right now about how Abraham often talks about how we are, there, there's a, there's a false premise that kind of goes through our society. The false premise is that we are starting as non-physical beings. We get born and become physical beings. And then we die and go back to being non-physical beings. And the fallacy in there is they say you never stop being a non-physical being. Even when you're physical, you're, you're also non-physical. It's the inner being part, right? Well, along right. with that is the fact that when we come into the life, every one of us comes in with the anticipation of living the life joyously and happily and just you know getting the most out of it. 
And we choose how and where we're coming into this. It's not like there's a lottery and some of us end up losing the lottery. We all end up going where we want to go. Well, that led me to some some rather interesting speculations like, okay, well, I know what I ended up picking because that's where I am. <laughs> but how do other people end up picking what they're picking? I, I think about some people on the earth and, and what you know kinds of lives they live in, and I can't even begin to fathom wanting that. But they clearly chose that. So, so they must have wanted on some level. You know, and and that just reinforces for me, I can try to feel sympathy for somebody else, and I often do, and I can try to reach out and help people, but I don't necessarily understand how they made their decisions about where they're going to be and how they're they're ending up. I mean, I really don't know that background, and I don't know of any way I can know it because I'm not them. I like the idea that we came here to accept experience everything mm. and it kind of goes back to where we want to look at that emotional uh, scale and say you know there's not bad emotions and good emotions yeah that's very it's true just emotions and are some of them uncomfortable yeah um, are some of them pleasurable yes and of course, if we if we now once we're here and we're in this in this frame, we want to pick the pleasurable ones because we like most of the time pleasure a lot more than we like pain. Mm-hmm. And yet, the idea that we came here to experience everything um, maybe answers that question a little bit. Mm. You know, if if it's true that we just continue on and on and on. And we know energy can't be destroyed, so I believe it is true. Oh, I think so, too. Um, then, then at some point, right, maybe when we're completely non-physical, um, we're understanding that nothing can hurt us or kill us, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, ultimately. yeah, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like going on a roller coaster, right? Some people <laughs> won't do it. What is it with the roller and, coaster uh, metaphor? I mean, every show we're using the metaphor. I mean, literally every show the last three or four shows has, have included the, the roller coaster metaphor. I don't know what's going on there, but there's, oh, some, funny. <laughs> there's some sort of law of attraction well, thing going there. <laughs> you think how scary they are. I mean, they are made to be scary. They are. And the people that make them, right, try to engineer a, a one that's scarier than the last one. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, right, and we go to scary movies, and so it's like we – when we've already gone on the roller coaster and survived it, right, and we, we've gone on it, it turned out to be a lot of fun, and we're like, oh, no, no, you're going to be fine. Like, go ahead. Um, I think it's it's probably a really simplified metaphor, of course, but I think it's maybe like that. Um, we recognize that some of the emotions and experiences that we have um, as an earthling are not always going to be pleasurable, and it's okay. We sign up anyway. We sign up for it anyway because we want to experience everything. Because the things that we experience make us who we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's true. When we go through difficult stuff, it strengthens us. It's, it, it helps us train ourselves to be much more deliberate about what we're going to focus on and what we're not going to focus on. It, it helps us to be less afraid about stuff, to go through difficult things. Because once you've been through it, it's like, well... It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I was fearing it was going to be. In fact, Joel tells an interesting story about that, Joel Elston, because um, early in his life, he went through some really horrific stuff. He was homeless. He was a, 
a raging gambling addict. He had stolen. He went to jail. I mean, just all this other stuff. And the way he tells the story, the best day of his life was the day when they finally locked him up in the prison cell. And you you hear that, you say, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Because he probably wasn't saying that at the time, right? Like, this is the, you know, when I, when the first time I ever took my kids to the beach, they were like three and five. And I'll never forget one of them spinning around, like, in the sand, in the, in the surf with the waves crashing around his feet. And he just looked up and he just shouted out, this is the best day of my life! (laughs) Right? But Joel probably wasn't shouting that out at the time, right? In the back of the police car. <laughs> Actually, you might be surprised. The moment that he says, the moment that they, they shut the, 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 the door there and locked the door, he said he felt an immense sense of relief because he had been mm. fearing this event for so long and had finally come. He could now go, oh, finally, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I can get that. Yeah, not, not the the, re- the reaction you might expect, but for him, it was it was transitive. It, it was a a huge transition that happened just because he had finally hit bottom, and now it was just everything mm. was going to be moving upward from there. And, and indeed, that's exactly what happened. His life just improved dramatically from that point onward. So again, how does somebody else look at it? I mean, if you and I had looked at that in advance and predicted, you know, what his reaction was going to be, I don't think either one of us would have predicted that one. No, but I can see it. Um, I, and, I, and I actually, when you think about it, I've heard this kind of idea before um, with kids that aren't, um, that don't have a lot of rules or boundaries in their life mm-hmm. that and they get into trouble and, you know, or they, I hear the term like acting out, like they're consistently doing things to actually because they want to be caught. They want to be, they want someone to put a boundary around them. They right. want someone to say, okay, that's enough. Um, and in the situations where they don't have, you know, parents or they don't have guardians who are watching out for them, Sometimes it takes a lot to get to that point where someone, and sometimes it's an arrest, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they're actually wanting to feel like someone else is in control. And I think that's the thing. As much as we all want to be in control, when we're out of control, <laughs> sometimes we're really looking for that to, to be from some other direction. I mean, yep. that's the sense that I get there is that he didn't have to be, out of control anymore because someone else was going to be in control. True, yeah. And it was a thing where he could actually relax as a result. I, I don't think it's so much that he wanted somebody else to be in control. I think he wanted to be able to release the tension. He wanted to be able to release the resistance. And that's what really it did for him. It enabled him to do that. It gave him an excuse to do something that he had been, he had not been able to find a way to do himself. So, okay, <clears throat> I'll find a way to have somebody else help me do it because I got, I got to release this. I'm just... I'm just dying from this pent-up fear and agony and, and, oh, God, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. Of course he wanted to release that. I mean, why wouldn't he? <laughs> right, right. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a situation where, you know, um, one of my mentors, Marshall Rosenberg, always said that everyone is always either saying please or thank you. Hmm. Right, and it reminds me of uh, Marion Williamson says everything is either um, a cry for love or love. Right, it's like 
please or thank you. When when someone is being, you know, kind and showing you, you know, gestures of love, you know, they're they're saying thank you, right? But when someone's being mean or nasty or ugly, they're saying please. Like they have a need that's not being met. And so he was saying please almost, right? And then quickly saying thank you after. <laughs> kind of, yeah. After, yeah. So it's an interesting idea that when we when we are feeling things that don't feel comfortable, when we are feeling things at the bottom of that emotional scale, um, we have some kind of need that's not being met. And so he had a need that wasn't being met, and somehow that met it. It met it in a big way, and in a way yeah. that was meaningful to him. Um, and I think that's, well, that's really what we're all looking for, isn't it? We're looking for ways to deal with and resolve our own issues in a way that's meaningful, in a way that actually makes sense and feels like it, it can become a permanent improvement. That's that's what we're really hoping for, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our you know how dysfunctional our our responses might be. That's ultimately what we're looking for. We want we want the pain to go away, and we want it to stay away, and, we, and then we want to replace it with feeling good. Even if we can't put that whole sentence together, that's what we want. Yeah, I think there's an idea that I I can't think of the exact words, but that that Abraham says about that about that everything we do is always because we're wanting to feel better. Yes. We might we might not choose great ways of doing that. No. Um, but even you know the idea of of conflict. Well, that con- that energy of conflict and anger is actually a a step up from the energy of despair. So even it is us trying to feel better. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's the first step toward feeling better. It doesn't actually feel better yet. Nobody who constantly expresses anger because they don't know how to do anything else actually ends up feeling truly better. But it is better than feeling But it feels better than victimhood. It It, feels better than... Yes. It feels better than depression. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, Um, it's relative. I can't... It feels good, but it feels... It's on the way. We have to keep going. We have to keep going. Yeah. Keep going at that scale. Exactly. As long as we're climbing the scale, then now we're really making progress. And that's that's really right. what we're trying to do is we're trying to make progress. And so that asking for help, sometimes it's a big leap up the scale. And, and I know that at times when, when I've asked for help, you're talking about Joel feeling relief. Yeah. Um, I've felt relief. Mm-hmm. Especially when the ball starts rolling and the help starts happening. Yes. And it's cool. a feeling of relief. And relief is always um, a letting go of resistance. I mean, even just thinking about the word relief, it's like the phrase, a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yes. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, you can set down this heavy burden. Yeah. Yeah. The word relief sounds like a relief, doesn't it? It does. And so that is, that's us letting go of resistance and struggle. Which is really the root of all of it, because once the resistance is gone, then all the stuff that we've been hoping for and wanting starts showing up. It can get through. It just can't get through as long as the resistance is in the way. That's why I love that whole idea that you hear. Um, I've heard Abraham say before, when 
someone thinks they need a certain thing, right? I need more money or I need a, a new partner or I need, you know, a new job or whatever it is, said, yeah, you don't need more money. You just need less resistance. Mm, yes. <laughs> All that stuff will come as soon as we stop resisting. So the relief of asking for help and having it start to show up can be us letting go of resistance. That's like the first step in us being able to let go of some of that resistance. And truly, the art of allowing or, or the art of, of letting go of resistance is how we become deliberate creators. It's how we start applying the law of attraction deliberately rather than by default. And, and I just, I, I, I imagine you feel somewhat similarly about this, but I just feel like as more and more people are finding out about this stuff and trying to learn how to apply it and, you know, comparing notes with others and talking to coaches, whatever, as more and more people are choosing the path of learning how to become deliberate creators, I just got to believe that society as a whole is shifting in, a, in an incredibly positive direction because um, we talked for years. So many people have talked for years about how important it is to take responsibility for your own life, but very rarely did they actually tell you how to do it. Now we're learning how to do it. And when we do that, when, when we actually take the steps and you know, stumbling steps at times, often tripping over our own feet, you know, making mistakes, you know, not ending up with diametrically the opposite of what we were hoping for and so forth. Despite all that stuff, just by taking the steps, being persistent, being determined to learn, the more people who do that, the happier our society becomes. And the happier the society becomes, I mean, I personally think we're on the precipice of a major shift. And, and some of the clues of this, we, we know we live in an era where technological growth is, you know, just absolutely phenomenal, far faster than anyone can even come to grips with, so to speak. Um, right. I think that's, that's like a, a precursor to, to what's happening. I, but I think the same kind of change is about to start happening and has already started on the spiritual level, on the level of people who study law of attraction. So I, personally, I am so incredibly hopeful for, you know, what's going on with, with society. In fact, I think it goes beyond hope. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too, and I and I agree with you. And I also think that this kind of big surge of things that we're seeing in the world right now that don't feel good um, is also a sign that we're getting ready to turn that corner. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Because, you know, talk about asking for help. Um, the story that I told you earlier about, you know, someone like – having a toothache and ignoring it. Right. Right. And the thought that, you know, it's not going to get any better. It may be intermittent at this point, but, you know, eventually it's slowly going to get worse. But the day that they call and make the appointment with the dentist or whatever, the day they take some action to make it better, you know, okay, that's the turning point, right? And so when we see all these things going on that don't feel so good, um, we can't we can't heal them if we don't see them. We can't address them if we don't know they're there. And so I think it follows that same line of being willing to ask for help, being willing to take responsibility, being willing to say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kid myself about this anymore. This tooth really hurts and I need to get it fixed, right? So it's like, okay, when we see things in politics, in society, in the world, that we think are wrong, when we see that person that's on the street that doesn't have a place to live, um, that's that's asking for for money or food. You know, when we see the things that kind of break our hearts and say, "Well, 
this isn't this isn't what we want the world to be like we have to see it before we can address it before we can as a society start taking responsibility and as people are learning about law of attraction i agree that it can only it can only keep on building and building with the energy level moving up yeah oh yeah I, you when know, you're talking it, about expansion mhm um i mean there you go with that it's that nature nature's nature <laughs> is to expand <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So how can it not, you know, I think, I mean, anybody that's been practicing law of attraction for a length of time can probably tell a story about someone that they brought to the knowledge of it. Plus Either also, by their example or by teaching them or by telling them about, you know, uh, our podcast or yeah. about giving them a book or about taking them to a, a you know, a lecture about it, or, I mean, it, there's a, a hundred different ways that we can kind of spread the word about that, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's just going to be about the way we live our life and the things we create. I have had people say to me um, that really didn't know much about law of attraction, but that knew me and knew my life, say, oh my goodness, like, how, you make things happen, like, how do you do this, <laughs> right? And it's like, that's the opening, um, and I'm not, you know, really a law of attraction, you know, I'm not on a mission. Um, it's just the way I live my life. So it gets it gets brought up. Yeah, it's almost like it rubs off on people, whether you intend it to or not, which is good. It's a good kind of rubbing off. It's the kind that you want to have. Right, and so how can it not grow when more and more people are, are learning about it? it? I mean, it has to grow, <laughs> it, and it has to affect society. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm reminded, of, I'm reminded of what Wendy Dillard likes to talk about. She talks about uh, the Abraham concept of how um, when we are in alignment, we're, we're in our joyful state. When we're out of alignment, we're, that's where we're in the negative, depressed, angry, hurtful state and so forth. And that the journey, she likes talking about this, and I think she's right. They, t- they talk about enjoying the journey. The journey, for the most part, is really where you've gotten yourself out of alignment, and now you're enjoying all the journey back into alignment. And yep. when I look at it that way, I say to myself, well, yeah, who wouldn't want that journey? That's the fun one. That's the good one. <laughs> right. Well, you know, that's <clears throat> one of the things. I had a, this conversation with someone the other day. We were talking about something I've heard more than one life coach talk about, but that is the idea of anything that's happening in your life right now that's fantastic. If you trace it back you always end up at something that was really awful. <laughs> and it's like, that's a great thing to remember when you're going through something that feels really awful, is that it's that whole good luck, bad luck story, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've told, you've heard that story, right? The good luck, bad luck um, about the the old, the ancient proverb about the, the Chinese, the poor Chinese farmer that only had one horse and used that horse for his work and for everything is really the only valuable thing he had. And one day the horse ran away and all the neighbors said, oh, what bad luck. And he said, good luck, bad luck, who knows. <laughs> and a week later the horse came back and it brought a dozen wild stallions with it that were the most beautiful horses anyone had ever seen. And all the neighbors said, oh, what good luck. And he said, good luck, bad luck, who knows. And then his son was trying to 
train one of the horses, and it threw him, and he broke his leg. And, of course, all the neighbors now said, <laughs> oh, what bad luck. And he said, good luck, bad luck, who knows. And then the whole province went to war, and all the young men had to go off to war, and the son didn't have to go because his leg was broken. <laughs> and the neighbors said, good luck, well, good luck. And he said, good luck, bad luck. And it can go on and on, right? right. And it's like that <clears throat> we really lived this story um, two summers ago. It was unbelievable. Um, we actually had been telling this story to someone, and then <laughs> what we went through over the period of like four or five months was just, uh, it was kind of unbelievable. We woke up one morning and our wood floor had like buckled. Oof. But see, there wow. were floods, and we did not get flooded. We live, my house is on the highest point in the city. I, my house is never going to flood. If my house floods, we need an ark because the entire city will be underwater. <laughs> well, so my house didn't flood, so it was like, did you, did you house flood? No. Wow, what good luck. Look at all the people that are without houses right now because the floods were bad. Mm. Um, and then a month goes by and our our wood floor was just completely, like my, my living room looked like a skate park. And my beautiful 80-year-old original oak floors were ruined. Wow. And water had somehow gotten under the house. And the humidity had caused it to warp the floors. Mm. And so it was like, oh, what bad luck, right? Um, the insurance covered it. So all new floors. Oh, what good luck. <laughs> and then we had to be out of the house for much longer than we thought. But we ended up being able to be in a five-star hotel. It was like, good luck, bad luck, good luck, bad luck, good luck, bad luck. At some point, we were like, when is this going to end? Because it was, uh, should I say it, a roller coaster? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it does go to prove, it does go to prove that, among other things, you got to be careful what you focused on, because you focused on the story of good luck, bad luck, and you got it. <laughs> right, and we said that. We said, oh, wow, maybe, should we be telling this story? Yeah, right. But no, but it, it's not, and I always make sure to mention that it's not about, oh, for every good thing, there's going to be a bad thing. I actually had a friend that said, well, you always have to take the good with the bad. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I don't want to have that that belief that for every good thing that comes to my life, I'm going to have to weather some terrible thing. That's not the case at all. And the truth is that we live on the earth and our human life has an ebb and flow to it. And we have contrast. And contrast is, we're not going to do away with contrast. It's part of our life. And yet, when we think about most of our life being the journey from the contrast to the alignment where the joy is, that is a pretty great journey. It is. And it's one that apparently we keep doing over and over again because we like it so much. We must like it so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is encouraging, I think. The, the idea of having to take the good with the bad <clears throat> is not really a positive view. It's presented as if it were one, but it really isn't. It's actually more of a negative view. Because look at the I way so too. look yeah. at the way they say it, the order that they say it in. Well, you you have to take the good with the bad. I mean, just the order sounds wrong to me. If if I was going to try to turn it into a phrase that I could accept, and I really wouldn't do it this way anyway, I'd say, well, you have to take the bad <laughs> with the good, because then I'm focusing on the good. But no, they focus on you have to take the good like it's some sort of a punishment with the bad, because the bad is the real thing. <laughs> That's true. Think, what, no, what, I've what never liked that, that idea or that saying, and so I always that, that say, it's like no. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to paint that picture, you know, um, certainly not. And yet, yeah, we, we are going to have contrast. I, I think it's, I never think it's a good idea for people to 
that are learning about law of attraction to start beating themselves up emotionally anytime they experience contrast, like they're doing something wrong. Um, you're not doing something wrong because you experience contrast. There, there's, you know, it's just human experience. We experience contrast to show us that we're out of alignment, and then we just choose to find a way to be aligned, which might include asking for some help, by the way. Which is a good thing. <laughs> I think the, yeah. the ultimate proof, though, that all good doesn't have bad associated with it is the idea of expansion. Because expansion is about increase in all of our, our sum total of our experiences. And the general tone, the tenor of that increase is a positive increase because when you look back on stuff, you don't tend to remember all the terrible things that happened. You tend to, to remember the better things that happened. And, and we, we have this ability as humans and I think as entities, as, as, you know, eternal entities to just simply focus on there's all the good stuff that happened and, and just kind of, you know, for, not forget, but dismiss and, and not put a whole lot of focus on the bad stuff that happened. So the net result is you end up with a much more positive sum, if you will, at the end. That's where the expansion comes from, I think. I mean, does that match up with what you think? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that <clears throat> kind of the goal here is that the more we're in alignment, the better everything feels. The more positive, I'll use the word positive, uh, experience we have. And that's what expands. So over time practicing conscious creation, deliberate creation, we're going from a place where, hey, maybe it was every good thing that came into my life ended up having something bad attached to it. Maybe it was that way at some time. And as we go through deliberately creating, we're expanding our sense of how to be aligned. The good vibrations that happen when we're in alignment are what start to expand. And more and more our experiences um, are better and better yes i agree with that and and by the way uh one of the reasons that we want people to subscribe to the podcast is we want to expand the podcast as well so expansion even takes place in terms of building our audience in the podcast but uh, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast please do so because those who are finding that they decide yes i will subscribe they're also finding that wow i like listening to these and, and we know this to be true because last month alone each individual subscriber on average listened to 22 podcasts so people are definitely getting into it. Take advantage. Subscribe now. You can do it by going to LOAToday.net. There are subscribe buttons all over the place. If you're on an iPhone, you can also go to the iTunes store, and you can just type in LOA Today as a search, and it'll find LOA Today. You can su subscribe that way. Um, or you can even just use the built-in podcast software that comes with the iPhone. On the Android phone, whether it's a Samsung or Motorola or I.O. or one of the other um, Android phones is a little bit trickier because the Android doesn't come with a built-in podcast manager in most cases. Um, but you can easily download one. Just go to the Play Store, and uh, there's a free one that's called Podcast Manager. You can use that one. There are a number of them, too. But once you download your and install your app, then do the search on LA Today, and you can subscribe. And, uh, Cindy, for somebody who needs the more personal uh, approach because they need to directly ask for help, how can they reach you? Uh, they can find me on the Internet at www.cindychavez.com. That's C-I-N-D-I-E. C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Facebook, Cindy Chavez, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. 
Terrific. Let's do I'm it again finding. tomorrow. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Let's do it again tomorrow. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. All right. We'll see you all tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.